HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisetail. Ever wonder how winning brands like Shake Shack, Chopped, and Torchy's Tacos scale their business and train employees, all while delivering an exceptional customer experience? They do it with Wisetail. Learn more at wisetail.com. Perhaps inspired by the advent of the Wendy's salad bar in the 80s, the move to combine healthy quality ingredients with the speed and mobility of QSR has been exploding in recent years. In light of the pandemic, the fast casual movement is only going up. Long before we closed our dining rooms, many chefs had opened fast casual concepts as a way to increase their revenue stream and ease growth expansion versus the weighing costs associated with full service casual and traditional fine dining. There are obvious drawbacks to fast casual, like the need for a dialed-down menu, different style of service experience, and piles on piles of to-go containers. So how do the numbers really stack up? Should it be a part of every chef entrepreneur's journey to operate a fast casual restaurant in addition to a fine dining concept? And if the numbers are so great, why do we have anything else? So to answer those questions, plus lots more, we have our friend, Chef Ina Admani, today on the show with us. I'm so excited to have her here. And if only it were that easy, Aina is the chef and owner of Bella Busta in New York City and Taim, which has six locations and growing. And we've been enjoying Aina's food for years. It's easy to see why your food has grown from small spots in the West Village in Alita to a full-fledged restaurant group. So welcome to the show. How are you? Hi. Hi, guys. I'm good. Um, considering, um, <laughs> keep, keeping myself, um, uh, extremely optimistic um, and busy and you're and keeping busy. yourself busy. Yeah. But Tell- this is some, I took off, I took the three months. Um, I just did nothing. I grow vegetable for three months. So I think I took some off that uh, changed a lot of, uh, perspective in my life and, I lost 20 pounds. Congrats. Congrats. Did you personally take off or you closed the restaurants for for those? We've been closed for three months, from March to around July. I opened a little bit, but until July we were, you know. So I had a time to just learn my kid's name. It's Liam and (laughs) (laughs) Peter. And, and fall in love with my husband again and Aww. lost the weight I want to and grow vegetable and 
other great stuff. <laughs> and, and it was a perfect three months. So and now I'm back. And now you're back. So you closed Balabusta for the three months. Did you also close the Taino the tie No, Taim was still operating and Stefan would back a few... He started back in May already, like a few days. I mm-hmm. I decided to stay safe and stay behind with my kids upstate. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Taim uh, opened just several locations, not all of them, so... So some and of the location were open. Some would make no sense to keep them open. So yeah. So ha- so now, but now all six are back open again, and you yeah, even have a new one. one. We have two. We have one new. We just opened in Dupont, Cir- Dupont Circle in DC, and we mm-hmm. opening now in Long Island City. Oh, so, yeah. And the company looking to expand and continue, and I think. Were those uh, even in the works lo- before the pandemic, or exactly. So uh, Dupont Circle and Long Island City already. We've been talking. We had a uh, deal with the airport that we were talking about, and it was. But you know, now certain things was just like um, cut down a bit and just old and postponed some of the stuff. So we'll see. I think we will be fine. Um, in very short time we still like thriving changing menus i just put new uh new dishes new bowls we have new soup so we're trying to to stay attractive and delicious well your food is always delicious so i don't imagine that being a problem thank you you started out by saying you're optimistic tell me what fuels that optimism it's worked for me much better. <laughs> More successful than pessimism, right? Yeah. It's, no, I'm not always successful. I failed a lot. Like, you know, if you look at my Instagram, everything going to look, uh, everything is awesome, you know? But if, like, my life is, it's it's tough. It's super hard. And two kids that one in Zoom. Not, so things that's not easy, and I failed with financial the last few years and I was struggle with Kishkash and a few restaurants that closed and still I think it's like um I still think this is would be great and I think that time would come that I can translate I don't know success is a big word but everything I do I can translate to you know uh more I don't know financial stabilize I would say why so. do you think that Taim has been such a success and, and perhaps easier to grow? Or It's easier. It's easy to grow. Nothing is easy to grow. Uh, <laughs> it's always pain. It's always it sounds like your vegetables are easy to grow, though. I don't know. No, I'm just no. You should see my marijuana plants. It's insane. <laughs> That's why you're so optimistic. That's why you're so optimistic. <laughs> you think I'm always stoned? I'm not stoned now. It's too early. <laughs> but... No, um, I tell you what, the funny we talk, uh, we were mentioned about before about the 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 um, fine dining, uh, and and the uh, casual, not casual, like fast food, um, and fast casual, and it's very interesting because I was working all my twenties and my early thirties. I was working in all fine dining, all the restaurant I chose. It was like the top notch if if it was in Israel for the first two years and then I came here in ninety nine and 
the first restaurant I was I owned was a tiny five seats falafel place. So just imagine how my Israeli colleagues would make fun of me of after <laughs> all these years of working for the top notch chef, then I open a falafel place. <laughs> but it's interesting what's happened because in a crash in 2008, when all my colleagues that have fine dining restaurant was extremely struggling and closing restaurant, Taim was doing, it was the best year of Taim. Right. And then, oh, and I think that was the breaking point for a lot of chefs, even chefs that oh, never thought they're going to do, you know, fast casual because it's like, it's demeaning for them. Like doing fast casual for somebody that always did, you know, a Michelin star restaurant. It's, it's hard for the ego. I mean, uh, it's not hard actually. <laughs> it's pretty easy, but it's really hard if you come from that world and everything is start changing. People that look at me in a different eye now, like, Oh my God, she was genius. She, I, I kind of the first, I cannot say I'm first, but like, I'm really somebody that come from very high end fine dining and beside the first restaurant I had. And then I moved to Balabusta and then, we had other ventures and and other stuff, but like, and I'm really happy, you know, back in the days, I was like, oh my God, I did I just open falafel? It was shocking <laughs> for me. And right. I, I think it was a, a change, probably changed my life having to him. Totally. I mean, it, it's, and I think that's a good outlook to have, but I, you also, it also changes how consumers perceive fast casual I think that's what's also changed over the past what you opened the first time 14 years ago how long ago was that 15 2005 yeah right so I mean I think also consumers perception of what they expect from fast casual has changed a lot like the fact that you know well-regarded chefs with pedigree are putting thought and love into the ingredients and what they're presenting at a fast casual level has really fundamentally shifted how people eat um and I think Absolutely. for the it's it's accessible for people. It's mm-hmm. easier. They can afford that. They can get. They can eat at the fast casual much more than they eat in in, in more. You know. So um, have you have you seen how have sales been? You know, during this time for your time, has they stayed pretty much like where they were? Have you seen some of like have you seen some locations do better than others? And why do you think that is? Of course, there is location like a financial district. So right mm-hmm. now, when financial district is what's built on a lot of offices and people that come to work, not a lot of residential. It's We just opened it a few weeks ago and we really want to try and see how we can promote that area and all that. But this is a tough, tough area. This is not an easy one. Um, and of course, we Taima did much less than they do in pre-COVID, obviously. So a lot of things, uh, a lot of things help. We were feeding a lot of hospitals and frontline workers. And uh, I think that was helping to stay around and continue. Of course, a lot of company got the PPP that help for some, but um but it's definitely even Taim that doing considerably good. It's still not as great as we did before. So we need to reinvent exactly like everybody else. We need to reinvent reinvent ourselves and thinking better how we can create the menu more easy, keep a price as you know um, not too high. Like there is a lot of like 
sat in consideration right now. Yeah, no, I can imagine. And I know, I mean, I know last year, like we talked and you were planning to really scale time. You guys had a lot of new locations planned for mm-hmm. 2020. How are you guys reassessing? You're, you're just pushing further into the future? Or are you, you know, we do, but what's... but we need to be more careful. So that's the thing. We have to be a little bit more careful. Um, there is location, like we had uh, a we had a, a deal with uh, the airport, for example, and then in potential for a second one in a different airport. But this is something that have to postpone. This is something that have to wait. Like there is not much going on in the airport right now. Yeah. So like all this kind of yeah. Yeah. So right now we're all in that for hoping that things get better in the next six months, and then we're gonna get back on that deal. But there is a lot of things like that. I think what a lot of people looking um, right now is opening in underserved community, which that's what I said for 10 years now. That's what I want to do. I think New York was so tough even before COVID, and now it's almost impossible to stay float. So I think there is, I see chefs that getting smart and doing stuff elsewhere and and trying to open places, uh, you know, in like town that there is no much and people like really get excited by you, by you having something new and, and delicious. So as, speaking of leaving town, how is um, the new shop in DC and DuPont Circle doing? Pretty good, I have to say. So uh, Long Island City is not open yet, but it will be open very soon. And uh DuPont doing you know I've been in DuPont like maybe eight months ago and I was it was so vibrant and I was like okay I love this location this is great and then I've been for the opening like around five weeks ago and it's like dead I barely see people walking in the street it's kind of like oh but that's because there's a, I don't know if you heard, but there's a massive COVID outbreak in the middle of Washington. What is that? It's like a flu, no? <laughs> like yeah. a flu from China, no? There was a super spreader event last week at the Rose Garden. No, I'm just I, I heard I can just drink a few bottles of uh, beer and I'm going to be fine. <laughs> I will try that later. Yeah, right. So DuPont Circle now seems quiet. Quiet, but I think we're doing, we're doing considerably to the situation. I think we're doing fine. Yeah. Yeah. So what are, are so are you guys considering looking at some of these other markets that maybe you know like are less are less competitive than say like New York City and where would they be? Yeah, I think we're going to look for Miami. I think that's a next market. So mm-hmm. we're going to probably going to expand a little bit more in DC when we're already there and we have the structure for you know for that market. We have the employees. We have the management team. So I think that's um, I think that's what's going to happen, and then right after, I think Miami would be next. Are you that's saying that because you want to be there for the winter? You're like Miami's next. I want to be anywhere <laughs> in the winter. I want to be anywhere in the winter. You know, I'm coming from the desert. If you remember, I want. I know. <laughs> I know. What are like? What exactly? And what are you looking for? As you talk a little bit about DC, like having some infrastructure there, so being easy to expand. But what else? Like when you're thinking of expanding Taim into new markets, what what are you looking for in those markets? I don't know. Besides you know, Tahim, 
now it's a little bit different than how we started, Stefan and mm-hmm. myself working on a counter. I'm doing the sandwiches and he's nice to customer and we both there <laughs> and we have two months old and just sitting there in a crate, you know, like it's the, the it's strange. We have a CEO, we have a board member, you know, it's a so a lot of the decision is not just Obviously, it's not just my decision, but when we, when right now the company looking for a space, they, it's not anymore just a nut, guts, and intuition, like it's right. which were working for us for a while, but not always. Right now, we go into a location and check the lunch, the morning, we counting the people that passing in a street. There is like a whole research it's not just like okay this is look like a great location i think we're going to go for it that's what i used to do back then now there is a lot of like statistic and in demographic research and how many buildings they, they build in the next five years how many resident you know it's everything mm-hmm, right. even then this is the funny thing. I I really rather to go on my intuition and guts. <laughs> even we do all the research in the world, sometimes it's just not working, you know. And sometimes yes. it's so yeah. Especially so now, I, I feel like because of the pandemic, everything is in flux, yeah. and you know, business neighborhoods are emptied out, and who knows if people are going to continue to work from home. And if they work from home, then you should be in residential neighborhoods if they don't then right so i know how... and, and a lot of people left down uh in especially in new york you know it's like a lot a lot of people um i i know from balabusta that it's super neighborhood uh, it's you know i know that the west village like a lot of my customer now in the hamptons and they stay there because if the kids doing zoom they have no reason to get back yeah so tell let's let's talk a little bit about Balabusta because you you know you also have you know this amazing restaurant that people love. We were actually I know you're in the West Village now. We personally are very pissed when you left Nolita because we loved we used to go there like once a week. But I'll still I know, but you. Nolita changed. Nolita, <laughs> I know it did change. When I opened, I love Nolita. Taim is still there. So, but when mm-hmm. I opened Balabusta in Nolita, on this street was very, it was ruby across us that been there much before us. And then Torizzi opened three months after me, and that was the only restaurant on that block. And forget about Israeli restaurant around. I was the only one in the whole area. It was another, like a hummus place on Kenmore or something like that. But there is nothing. Seven years after or six years after I opened Balabusta, it was eight Israeli restaurants in a radius of three blocks, you know? So, wow. and I know I'm probably the best. I know you're and like the, the Israeli Pied Piper. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not the best. I'm not like that as much as, <laughs> no, it's not like, I'm more, I, I grew up, it's a lot of American that open, oh, this is a trend now. Let's do Israeli or Middle Eastern cuisine. And right. for me, it's like, it doesn't matter if I'm great or better than others. It's, it's still people will want to try other places. It's going to take time. You know, like there is the competition. It just like make no sense together with the rise of uh, the rent. That was just like I couldn't hold it anymore. Do you feel um, like the um, your customers at Taim are are coming into Balabusta? Is there, are they making that connection? Yeah, that's something I'm working for years. How we make that connection? How I want my customer to understand I have Balabusta. 
I want my best because a lot of time they don't know. Oh my God, that's the same owners. A lot of time. And this is all about like dealing with branding and social media and always have this connection to people because it's important. Um, and we're working on that. But I think most most people in New York knows. And actually moving Balabusta to the West Village was a very smart move. I'm very happy I did it. Because since we opened Balabusta there, we were packed every day. And the last two years of Balabusta in Olita was very tough. Very, very tough. Hmm. So over there, it's like because there is not a lot of this kind of cuisine because people want Balabusta to be back after we close. And I think maybe few other reasons, Balabusta always been also destination, not just a neighborhood joint. I think it would be easy to get people from Upper West Side going down and, you know, like all around the city. Right. And and we did, we do good. Even now we do, we do fine, you know. So tell us, so tell us, yeah, so you, so you reopened in July with all outside at Balabusta. So we, we did open uh, outdoor. It's a little bit tricky in allocation because um, we couldn't do, you know, I have friends that have more dining out than they ever had inside, which is great. So right now they have 70 seats outside, which they have 35 inside before. And that's big difference for several months when the people can sit outside. Uh, for us, we have 70 seats, 73 or four seats inside, and we can could only do 18, which is a huge uh, cut down for us. So it's a little bit, uh, but we, 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 we did fine. We, we're trying to promote some Jewish holidays from there. So we did the Rosh Hashanah delivery package that did so well. We sold out. We couldn't That's even awesome. continue. And we did some Yom Kippur and some, and we're going to do like kind of like Shabbat dinner that I like and like things like that. Then Thanksgiving maybe and, and other holidays and, the hardest part, and I saw a lot of other chefs trying to do, is when you have a kind of a casual dining restaurant like Balabusta, and I think the world is going direction to delivery, how you translate that? How you start getting people to understand that you should get food from here? And it's super hard. And when I reopen, I change the whole menu. There is one dish from all Balabusta there, which is the fried olives, which I, I felt like I have to get. To yeah. keep, but like uh, everything I did like kind of a delivery menu so some people was kind of bummed when they come to dine in and the food is not as fancy and nice as used to be because I need the food that only two cooks can create and manage right. I can't have another five cooks in the kitchen you know impossible so the food changed a lot now I'm going to change it back because I'm of course, I get bored very fast and I, <laughs> I want to have better food. Uh, but we're trying to kind of, you know, put kind of in the conscious of people that we do delivery. We did pantry, pantry line, you know, granola, amazing tahini, like rat tahini and preserved lemon and arisa, all the stuff that people always ask me, all the sauces, a lot of dry stuff. So we do, that is not... People don't think as Balabusta as, oh, I'm going to get my pantry there. My, my, they, I, I'm going to have dinner for my whole family. It's different. We do delivery, but it's not as, it's not going to keep us moving forward. 
You know what I mean? If that's not going to change, this is not what's going to keep us. The delivery. This episode is brought to you by Wisetail. Ever wonder how winning brands like Shake Shack, Chopped, and Torchy's Tacos scale their business and train employees, all while delivering an exceptional customer experience? They do it with Wisetail. Wisetail is a state-of-the-art learning management system built to engage and empower your workforce. With a modern user interface and intuitive course authoring capabilities, Wisetail has helped hundreds of businesses achieve their growth goals. Plus, Wisetail has experts on call to help you bring your vision to life with their world-class client success team. Come see how Wisetail's award-winning training platform can go to work for you. As a special offer, HRN listeners are eligible for their first month free. Learn more at wisetail.com slash HRN. That's wisetail.com slash HRN. W-I-S-E-T-A-I-L dot com slash HRN. Terms and conditions apply. Visit their website for more details. Welcome to Jupiter's Almanac. I'm Matthew Rayford, the great-great-great-grandson of Jupiter Gilliard, a former slave who bought the land I now farm in Georgia nearly 150 years ago. Through the years, my ancestors have passed on some essential and hard-earned wisdom about growing and producing the food we eat. It's my great honor to share that inheritance and to invite other farmers from Georgia and around the country to share their tips with you. It's an opportunity for us to slow down and to connect and to plug in. And the farm does that in a way that lets you connect and appreciate the life that exists and nurture and cultivate that. And then extend that to the relationships to the people who are in that house with you and your community. So if you are just starting out, reconnecting with the land or a seasoned farmer, join the conversation. And to be honest with you, it was like, would Warren come out and say, hey, I want to be a farmer? Probably not. I I consider myself a city kid. You know, when we initially got a horse, you know, I have that New York City mindset, a horse. I'm thinking thoroughbred horse, aqueduct racetrack, (laughs) Belmont racetrack, those type of things, you know, And, and, and slowly but surely I'm starting to understand a lot more. I do remember early on, like, you know, the first month or two of dating, how we would daydream about starting a farm together. And it's kind of like, hold on, let's like pump the brakes and get to know each other first and then talk about that, you know? <laughs> so what got me into chickens? Um, I always joke and say that a chicken saved my life. Um, and it very much so did. I'm interested in black liberation that's ecological and that's not contingent upon... <sighs> these systems giving us anything. There's also something that's beyond this that I want and that I seek for our for our people and that's intimacy with the land and that's reliability. And so for us, it's also this idea of connecting people back to the land and connecting our um, folks back to their ancestry. So what does it mean to organically, sustainably farm in our current economy and time? Please subscribe to Jupiter's Almanac wherever you get your podcast.
it's tough. I mean, the I think a lot of people change their business model, but I think people like we're sick of eating at home. I'm done. I'm over it. I'm like ready to go to restaurants and have somebody else like make me a nice plate. <laughs> are you starting to see that return at all especially yeah, with yeah, like 25 percent dining yes yes this weekend was great for us uh we was looking at the numbers from upstate and we were so happy stefan and myself like okay but it's still you know it's a it's in one weekend that was have people could actually sit out and in what's you know uh we have that question, what's going to happen in one month? What's going to happen if if the numbers of infected people are going to be higher and they close the restaurant again? What's, you know, this is all like kind of vague uh, prediction. We don't know what's going to happen. So it's super hard to plan too many things to, this is the, the uncertainties, I think, what is the harder things for everyone right now. Yeah. <sighs> Oh, you're busy. I know. I don't know why people keep calling. And my uh, our production assistant like had to run out. So you normally he would keep everything spaced. And of course, it's like the buzzer is going to be next. I'd be like 25 people trying to come try on clothes in a minute. Just kidding. Um, I mean, I think the um, speaking of uncertainty, I mean, we had Jason from Bathhouse on a couple episodes ago, and he was like, basically, everybody just has to get comfortable with being uncertain and uncomfortable. Because that's the only way to operate, you know, yeah, for you can full say service. That, though. Tell Jason, <laughs> my husband, I, I can feel comfortable because I, I really, uh, my mind, since I'm very young, I did so many shit in my life that my mind, what's the worst can happen? You die. Okay, we're all going to die. It's always been like that. <laughs> what the worst can happen? You will die. That's the worst can happen. And okay, my kids would be bummed, but now I brought a dog, they would be fine. So what's the worst? <laughs> what the worst can happen? And but to tell that to somebody like my uh, dear husband with a little bit more anxiety and fears and said, feel comfortable with uncertainty. He's never going to feel comfortable when he don't know if he can support his family, if he can uh, put kids in school, if what's going to happen when they need college. It's easy to say for people maybe that don't have kids. I think it's a little bit easier because you don't have that responsibility. And for people that don't have any, that the mental stability, you know, they're more like, I don't know. Not, well, I, think, I think the challenge not, here is that you're used to, you know, especially New Yorkers, you're used to this idea to continue to grow, to, to, to get better, to, to get bigger, to, to spread out your business and, Right yeah. now is a really hard time to sort of plan I don't, I don't how you're going to grow your business. I I know it's weird to say now, and maybe I shouldn't say that, but if I would go backwards, I wouldn't grow tame. I would stay with two locations, and I would be the happiest woman in the world. Really? I'm telling you now. And I tell that to people. They ask me, I want to grow to them. like, that's what I want when I opened Taim. I said Taim would be in every airport, every city, all around the world. This is amazing falafel that everybody should try. And I have big, I always had big dream. I'm going to look back now and I can tell you if I would go back and would stay with, even my one Taim in the West Village made us enough cash back then to live very comfortably. So... Can you tell us why? Is it just the stress of all the places, the responsibility, the 
the partners. I mean, obviously, you probably can't call your partners out, but <laughs> tell us, tell us some of the things that that add that add, you know, make you feel that way. When you grow, you take people. You don't have all the decision, which is hard because we build this company. So there is a lot of things on stake. Uh, but the other things that when you grow, you're not going to see the same money as you know. That's the things. I'm not. It, the company is in 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 a growth mode, so right now nobody take distribution and nobody just everything getting inside the company. So right. basically, I used to, I used to feel very comfortable. Let's say it's not the situation now. So I, I, I love people. Sorry. No, I'm just gonna say, but you're gonna continue to grow, and then like you know, you'll be able to be at your and then I would be rich. more. Yeah. And then you'll be rich. <laughs> just give it five years. Then, just give it five years. And then, the but, but at the <laughs> same time, I'm looking. I'm 49. I'm not uh, uh, a spring chicken anymore. <laughs> I hate that word. But I know my my vibe. Yes, yes. But I'm still. I'm 49, and I'm going to be 50 next year. And I. It's not like I don't have many years to enjoy, but it's still. You know, I want to think different right now. I, I want to be in a financially in a different place would be nice right now. Would you do Bella Booster again? Would you do fine dining? Would you go back and do that? I have dream. This is not a dream for now, but I have a dream for years to do one day fine dining, like real thing. Um, I got some offer with a big hotel in a city. I can't talk about it, but I hope it's going to happen because that's going to give me every dream I ever wanted, like every equipment I ever wanted and I couldn't afford in my kitchen, the space, mm. the leverage to do all the food I I think I can do but couldn't so far. So, yes, I have that things and and I have million ideas about fast casual, but I, I'm not going to do more fast casual. I'm going to grow the aim. Um, and I don't know, restaurant business now for a lot of my friends and colleagues, it's kind of like they put a po- pose on it, you know? They're like, okay, we're waiting now. We can Nobody can think forward much ahead, you know? Like, I think that's the main thing. Oh, I want to do that. But this is, and some people say this is the best time because you get the best deals and the rent, yeah. but it's still not the best time because the customers are not going to come yet. So, yes, you're going to get the best deals. And a great restaurant with all the equipment of people that was about to open and couldn't continue. Yeah. But at but the Jeff, same time. You don't know where to be, so, too. What do you right? mean? I feel like you don't know the neighborhoods any at the moment. I mean, especially in New York, yeah. I feel like it's hard to tell what's. I, I, it's Tell you the truth. I don't have any faith in the city anymore. I'm yeah. telling you the, the honest. Don't I know. That. Don't say I'm that. New York always comes back. back. I, I know, but okay, you you know, you're not you in the industry in a very different side, which is the best side ever. Maybe <laughs> our customers are all struggling though, so we're struggling. You no. know, so like we feel the pain. I too. know, like, but okay. Do how many people you know that make money from restaurant in New York? How many? I don't. Yeah, I don't. And I'm talking yeah. about big people. I'm talking mm-hmm. about. People are, that have a huge platform on a food network, you know, this big celebrity chef and uh, right. people that have tons of social media and branding and PR behind them and names and James Beard and all that bullshit. They don't <laughs> make money. They it's don't true. make money. The money is not coming from restaurant anymore. The money I'm making right now is 
coming from event, from social media, from like mm-hmm. like uh, Zoom classes and all kind of collaboration. I'm yes. I'm telling you the truth. The this Nash, is a trend before the pandemic. It's not a trend. It's chefs that uh, realize that okay, maybe I. It's what I do. You know how much I used to hate social media. I thought it's the most demeaning, the most disgusting. How people even go on Instagram and check out. Like it was like, and then I realized first I enjoy it now. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of enjoy it. I love your account. You're so fun to follow. No, no, no. I I really enjoy. I got, I realized there is no choice. So I need to go with the flow and I need to kind of find out how to stay as real as I can without all the bullshit, you know? But I'm telling you, that changed my life. Because it's, and it's funny, you know, when now when they're coming to you for a chef for collaboration, they check first how many followers you have in each platform. It's ridiculous, but that's what it is. I mean, it's that's true. Every, it and people have been complaining. It's it is true that chefs and restaurateurs have been complaining about the margins for for years. It's like rent has gotten more expensive, price of ingredients has gotten more expensive, but like consumers' willingness. What about payroll? 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 Yeah, people payroll. got to forty forty two. I used to stay with payroll back in the days on twenty something. My food costs always been great, you know. As a, a Jewish woman with a Persian mom and Yamanai dad, it was, I know how to not have waste in food. That's my <laughs> biggest strength ever. So I never have a problem. But payroll, it's like, are you, it's just, you can pay less than eighteen twenty for a cook these days, which in Miami, they pay $8 and No. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you also want the, cooks to make money too. I mean, it's, t- it's like, it's. And it's a challenge. I mean, the I think the thing is that customers have to get more willing to pay for food. There's, it's it's this delicate balance. I, I think. Do you think that the pandemic will shift how customers perceive like the privilege of dining out and value, be more, yeah, yeah the, like the value of dining out and be more willing to pay? I don't know. People are still shit. A lot. Of <laughs> No, seriously, we have a. a you started out so p- optimistic, Anna. I, I am, but uh, listen, I'm I'm, I'm interacting <laughs> with a lot of people. I'm optimistic. <laughs> they will get better. That's what I'm optimistic. They should, but they will get better. <laughs> the thing she is, that, in you, people. <laughs> the first day I opened Balabusta, the first day after all this time and months of like silent and we open and we excited and a woman the first day we just opened she wrote a bad review on yelp that Uh, the portion was too small uh, or something was and i was like are you serious first i i don't understand that culture like call me call the restaurant we will fix it you're not helping anyone just to trust the restaurant and ruin our our reputation uh like why people do that? Like, this is another thing. So, this day we open, yeah? Yeah. So, uh, I know. So I, I don't know about people. Uh, yes, they get excited to get out, but they still, a lot of people feel entitled and feel like they, it's, they, they should get, you know, and it's not like that anymore. Uh, restaurant need to do what they need to do to stay survive. And I changed the menu, so it's not exactly the Balabusta menu. And, yeah. It's tough. I mean, we were like, we had a casual lunch out over the weekend and we saw like this guy getting like 
like kind of like snippy, like rude with the server because there wasn't salt and pepper, like immediately delivered to him. I'm like, first of all, who wants to have like shared salt and pepper shakers on the table right now? Like it, it was, I'm like, just be nice people. Just be nice. Like you got to just let go of the yeah. things that you, but people like, I know, but people are very stressed and people, there is a lot of things going on and yes, not that I justified any assholes that we back <laughs> to wait stuff, not ever. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy times. Well, we appreciate the optimism that you shared with us for the start. So what's the, your outlook for the future? You feeling like, you know, this will pass? Oh, and- future is old in a lot of amazing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to keep busy. I always, the minute I, I feel like in movement, you know, I think it's super important. Uh, and as much I enjoy my time upstate, I grow like probably 50 something different vegetable all this time. I learned so much about, you know, um, agriculture, I would say a little and, and, um, but I, I, I try to keep myself active. I'm writing the third book now it would be a memoir. Yeah. And, thanks. And I'm trying to, I don't know, not, uh, not sleepy stay active yeah yeah all right well you probably need a new jumpsuit since you've lost 20 pounds so we'll take i know that's exactly you read my mind (laughs) (laughs) that's what the old conversation that's the first things i want to say by the way oh my my jumpsuit that's so big it's great you're looking great i'm sure Uh, it's like so big that was so tight and now it's like just like perfect funny amazing um well we are we always love catching up with you and so happy to have you on the show finally and um i know i'm sorry for my flakiness no you're usually like that no Um, seriously it's not me usually just (laughs) yeah don't worry it was bad cell phone reception it's not your fault um anyway so we always we like to shout out opening soon announcements if there's anybody who just maybe recently reopened or you know of anybody opening soon anybody you want to shout out who's opening um wow i'm so not involved with what's happening in the industry right now well long island Um, city when is long island city open and steph when is long island city open Okay, we don't doesn't know yet. Mm. All right, well, we'll we'll soon. Soon. But, yeah, soon. Yeah, and uh, Miami twenty twenty, my December twenty twenty, so we can all go out to uh. No, no, beach. don't say Miami. But <laughs> um, like uh, Dupont just opened. Dupont, uh, right? I'm trying to think about not me, but my friend. Yeah. Uh, um, any who is opening now? There is any opening restaurant right now? I have a couple. So we have, um, I know there are some, there are some. So Cora, the team from um, Edward Lee and Kevin Ashworth from, from Kentucky now are opening Cora in Cincinnati next week, which is super exciting. It's um, all focused it's on super like far. We're going to Cincinnati now. I don't know. Some of our, our listeners are all <laughs> over the country. All over, you talked about how like other smaller markets know, are doing really well. Like you're right. There you go. Maybe so, you should go to uh, Cincinnati. <laughs> are going to Cincinnati? You think with my skin color? I'm not sure. Okay, <laughs> I have. 
I have Ong Tai Mi that doing a pop-up next door to Balabusta. I don't know when she started. I think in December. Um, What's that called? Who is it? Do you know it? you know her? Hong, H-O-N-G. She's doing Thai mm. food. Thai oh. Mi. Cool. Uh, that's her last name. Yeah. Uh, she's very good cook. She used to have few restaurants called Thai Mi. She has several. She closed all of them. And now she's bringing uh, a food for uh, where it used to be La Ventura, next door to Balabusta. I'm very excited uh. about that. Um, so that's, I know she's going to do six months pop-up. Six months. Um, I mean, pop-ups are like the new hot thing. Everybody is doing pop-ups, which has been very cool to see. It's, it's makes, it's make, uh, um, it's make, uh, it makes sense at this time. Cause there is so yeah. many restaurants and owners that said, what I'm going to do with this place, what I'm going and now, okay. So they have somebody to rent it for a little for what, you know, yeah. it makes sense. For sure. Yeah. yeah. We're yeah. going to, we actually have two people who um, have been doing a lot of pop-ups lately who will be on the show later. So Ursula just opened also in Crown Heights um, from Eric and Lonnie Holiday. And they, Lonnie will be on the show in a couple weeks. Um, they're doing new Mexican food, which is super cool. Um, but yeah. And then anybody who, there's also some fun events going on. There's RAD, which is Restaurants Advocating for Democracy, and they're doing a pop-up series every Thursday night with different restaurants. What What um, is democracy? Right. <laughs> <laughs> what is democracy? Well, apparently it's not the Electoral College. Um, but yeah, that's a whole other show. But yeah, so that's- they have I don't want to be in that show. I know. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I hear you. Um, Anyways, Al, you want to wrap us? Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm joking. Sure. Um, yeah, thanks again, Anat, for chatting with us. And I'm sorry we couldn't do our first um, show topic, but I'm glad we got to stick with this one. <laughs> um, we'll, do, we'll put a wrap-up of our show on tillitnyc.com, so you can check our podcast blog there. Uh, we'll also send one in your inbox. If you're not on our email list, then please do that now. Um, and I, I know you're a big fan of social media, so please tell everybody <laughs> where they can follow you. I will. Yes. Uh, Chef Enoch. Uh, Chef Enoch. Yes. That's it, right? Anything That's else? It. Chef Enoch. Yeah. Well, Balabusta uh, has its own account too, right? And, and Taim does. Uh, yeah. Taim, uh, Taim Falafel. And then we have Balabusta NYC. Yeah. Cool. And then uh, you can follow us at We Are Opening Soon and at Till at NYC. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Opening Soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. And connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.